Hi, and welcome to In Talks With. I'm Danielle Rodeutchen. My guest on this episode is Andrea Emelife. Andrea is a Nigerian-British curator and art historian specialising in modern and contemporary art, with a focus on questions around colonial and decolonial histories in Africa, transnationalism and the politics of representation. Her writing includes the book A Brief History of Protest Art, and in 2021 she was appointed to the Mayor of London's Commission for Diversity in the Public Realm. She is currently Curator of Modern and Contemporary Art at the Museum of West African Art in Edo State, Nigeria. This summer, Andrea has curated an exhibition at Somerset House in London called Black Venus, which brings together the work of 18 black women and non-binary artists to explore the othering, fetishization, and reclamation of narratives around black femininity. The exhibition examines the complex narratives of black womanhood through the influences of three perceived archetypes, the Hottentot Venus, the Sable Venus, and the Jezebel, and reframes stereotypical notions of black womanhood through work of contemporary artists including Sonia Boyce, Amber Pinkerton and Lorna Simpson. I met with Andrea at Somerset House on the opening of the show to hear her thoughts on all of this and more. It's quite surreal. Um, I mean, I curated the exhibition um, in New York and in San Francisco, but seeing it in London definitely means something else. Um, yeah, it feels like a homecoming. And it is very, very different, actually. It's not a copy and paste of the other shows. There's a lot of new works. Um, I'm really, really excited to be involved. Yeah. Um, we are in Somerset House in London. Um, and I think it is a homecoming for you because mm. I have met you once before and I remember we spoke about how you went to the Courtauld Institute. Yeah. Because I also studied there. Um, so is that weird coming back to the same building again? It is. And I mean, it's also really lovely because there's so many just sort of full circle moments. Like I remember studying at the Courtauld and loving my course, but also just being really aware that there's loads of stories that weren't that relevant to me and I couldn't find things that were about, you know, my history or about my representation. And so a lot of my curiosity was sort of, yeah, birthed then, like as, you know, having that toy between loving the art that I was um, being taught and being fascinated by it, but wanting to see something else. And I think, yeah, this exhibition is um, a testament to that. But um, also, yeah, it was this time of discovery. Like there's some of the works that are featured in this exhibition that informed some of my essays whilst I was at the Courtauld and some of my research as well. So the fact that they're involved in the exhibition is very um, sentimental as well to see them, you know, to see something that meant a lot to me back then just come back in real form and be part of the show. So, yes, it's very exciting. So we're here to talk about the opening of... Black Venus, which is a show you've curated, and it's here at Somerset House and running until September, I believe, 24th of September, and it's opening tomorrow, so this month in July. Um, so it's bringing together the work of 18 artists, mm-hmm. black women, non-binary artists, mm-hmm. um, and the theme is the exploration of narratives around black femininity. How are you feeling about it now, seeing it in situ? I think... What's interesting about the exhibition is that it really confronts some quite uncomfortable truths. And I think that that's definitely a part of it. It shows some quite emotional legacies of 
um, historic, the historic exoticization and fetishization of black women bodies. But in some ways, even despite, you know, confronting these truths, there's definitely a sense of like celebration and hope as well. And I think that comes from the fact that you know, there's historical works and there's a lot of contemporary works made by black women and non-binary artists, but it shows that despite or maybe in spite of the limitations put onto black women throughout history, artists have sought to really boldly reclaim and to take up space and to really dive into these histories and show the world um, that there's so much more than we've been told. And I think that that's why that there is this sort of hopeful um, celebration sort of feeling as well as, you know, a confrontational sort of um, sense of, you know, understanding just how limited the way that we've viewed black women has been. Yeah, that's really interesting you say that about having that dual theme, confronting the sort of the problematic aspect of it, but also having that positive Mm. um, approach as well. I really sense that walking around the exhibition. Can you remember how it felt when you first thought of the idea of the concept for the show? Like, can you remember the journey, sort of tracking the journey that you've been on with it? Yeah, I mean, it depends on how early I want to go. I mean, I think that in some ways the exhibition has always kind of been there. So I was told the story of Hot and Top Venus by my mother when I was quite young. I think I was maybe eight or nine. And I did that typical thing where I rolled my eyes and I was like, okay, my mum's trying to teach me a history mm-hmm. lesson. So what was the content? How did she tell you about it? Was it more than this is something you need to know about? Or was it something um, you'd seen? It was more just because she knew I was fascinated about history. But I think she wanted to sort of steer me on to, you know, thinking more about other histories. So, you know, I mean, our curriculum system in the UK is, has been focused on um, quite narrow um, ideas of history and definitely not um, traversing into the ideas of black history so much. Um, it, I'm sure it's changing now. But she was very passionate of me to understand more um, about how I've sort of come to be and the legacies that have um, have come before me. And I don't know, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's a, it was a cautionary tale, but I think it was more sort of an urging to really look into things a little further. And so whilst, you know, I did that typical thing of dismissing everything that your parents say, it definitely stuck with me in some ways and really informed my curiosity um, as I started to really build my love of museums. Like I would always run towards a black figure if I saw one in um, the National Gallery or um, or any of these sort of more sort of like traditional spaces. I was very curious about their representations. Um, but when it comes to the, this actual exhibition, I think that a lot of it comes from when you're sort of thinking about what sort of impact I feel that was my duty as a curator and art historian. Um, the art historical training that I had was very broad and very in-depth, but I sort of figured that even though I sort of focused quite a lot on surrealism, actually, and medieval art in my um, art historical training, whether even though I loved that, I felt that my duty and I guess my purpose was to really uncover a lot of these stories um, because I felt that with, within the museum systems, where we think about what exhibitions get made, it's often due to who is represented in those spaces as curators or as directors. And if I was inspiring to be a curator, it was my duty to ensure that the exhibitions we see reflect the wider sense of humanity and the broadest sense of these stories. Um, and so I started to investigate stories that were more relevant or more closely related to my own experience. And I think that's why there's shows like Black Venus, which spoke a lot to me understanding my place in the world as a black woman, but also um, my representation within art. And I think almost if you think about 
every other curatorial endeavor that I have and I'm starting to go on to, there will always be this sense of, um, I guess, personal relation, but duty to also represent, um, you know, stories that I feel we haven't been looking at close enough. So Black Venus has a start with the hot and top Venus story of the South African woman that was toured throughout Europe as an attraction. In the, which one, what time, what time frame was it? The Hottentot Venus was the 18th century. Yeah, um, so it's almost it's quite a striking thing that you're sort of confronted with in the first room of yeah. the exhibition. And you really start to think about just when... I mean, I guess it's quite interesting because it shows... In the first room, you see an image of, of that's by Rene Cox, which is um, called Hottentot. And that's when she is looking at this historical figure and reclaiming it for herself. And So it's a reimagining of the 18th century... It's the reimagining of the whole story, but also probably taking reference to some of the etchings and different sort of historical imageries. Um, but that what was, she's... Is that 1994, I think? That yeah, the, that from. work. So that's a large black and white photograph that you see as you enter on the right. It's actually the first image that I sort of, that I looked at anyway. Yeah, yeah, and with that image, it's exciting because she's got this really strong gaze, which is almost challenging you to think about how many gazes have been put upon black women and what sorts of gazes. And obviously we can think about the gaze that's been put on to Hottentot Venus when she was being um, toured around. But then we also think about the contemporary gaze that she, um, um, Renee, would have um, received as well. And what's fascinating about that image is that she's got these um, uh, sort of like appendages that are put on which represent large she's, breasts she's and large buttocks. Exactly. Yeah. So she's nude, but she's, like you say, got these, um, she's, she's emphasising mm. The breasts and buttocks. Exactly, just like Hottentot Venus. But when I spoke to um, the artist, she said she found um, these uh, these um, appendages in a joke shop. And it almost also shows just how um, these appendages, which are actually, they were brown coloured, um, there is a colour version, but how these appendages were, are, were and still are associated with humour, how black women bodies were humorous because you could just buy them and, and I don't know what you would wear, where would be suitable to wear them, but somebody was because it was readily available in as recently as the 90s to uh, put on a pair of plastic large brown breasts and plastic large brown buttocks. So there's that sort of double element as well, which yeah, I think quite is quite fascinating. To think about. Um, and then as you turn the corner, you see the original mm. um, uh, 18th century engravings of the Hottentot Venus and how she was presented in, I assume it was the press or in yeah. the sort of media of the time. There's little the- caricatures and there's also, yeah, some of the early billings, like, come and see this, you know, curious woman with the, you know, hypersexual with a body that is so different than the other. Um, and I think that that was really important to, to show. Um, not enough people... It's a known story, but not everybody knows that story. I think it's quite an important one to understand. There are two other themes that you've worked this exhibition around. Um, there's the Sable Venus mm. and the Jezebel. Do you want mm. to talk about those two? Well? Yeah, definitely. So there's um, uh, etching by Thomas Stothard, and um, that looks at, it's called The Voyage of the Sable Venus. And I came across that and was really struck by that work because in some ways, when you first look at it, it looks quite like um, a very typical Venus painting that you would see in art history. It's very similar to The Birth of Venus um, by Botticelli, for example. But in the centre is a black woman and that um, this black woman would have been um, a slave woman as well. And so there's this sort of juxtaposition of like very 
obvious sort of art historical language, things that we recognise and see very much in our sort of sense um, as art lovers, but then disrupted by this other ideal of beauty. And I think it's interesting because at first glance, it might be seen as a sort of like celebration of black beauty. But when you understand that it was part of this sort of like colonial exercise, you also can understand other sort of um, uh, sort of narratives, whether it's sort of almost excusing or promoting um, the colonial endeavor, or whether it's also just considering the you know extreme otherness um, of that comes by replacing um, the sort of more typical Venus with this instance as well. And then the Jezebel, I think, is a really important image as well because when black women are presented and have been presented, it's often been associated with hypersexuality, um, often been sort of shown in ways that sort of excuse um, uh, sexual violence or excuse like a very limited um, ideas that black women are overly sexual or savage. And so the artists that um, really reclaim and refute that are, you know, also dealing with contemporary evolutions of that idea, which are still very much around, but in different ways, whether it's looking at um, the representation of black women in music videos or looking, you know, I was reading an article about how young black girls are um, are sort of adultified. The, the term is adultification, where they're seen as older or um, more readily sexual, even though their sort of same age mates would not be seen as so. So this, I'm really fascinated by how... What, what, all these images. Why, do you think that, why is that? I think it comes to, between a lot of different stereotypes that are afforded to black women. I mean, you can think about the medical system where, you know, there was a lot of, um, and it kind of converged with the Hottentot tale as well, where there were some scientific studies that were trying to prove that black people, which I guess it also applies to black women, couldn't feel pain as much. And so they would um, posit that black people um, have more resilience and so they are more suited um, to be doing certain types of things, whether it's slavery or whatever. And these sort of stereotypes um, are convenient um, because it allows for certain propagandas to fit in more um, more neatly. And so where black women um, are hypersexualized, then that will obviously then trickle on to how quickly young younger black women are sexualized as well. And I think I definitely see that in, I guess, also my own upbringing. I was talking to one of the artists, Iana Jackson, who would um, who resonated to me on the on the way that as young girls we are taught to be even more covered up and even more sort of um, uh, deported in a certain way. And I, she definitely um, uh, agreed that that was obviously that's a sensibility that is afforded to all girls, and I think that's a problem in itself. But there is Did a you, sense is of wanting. You yourself? Yeah, being told to you know make sure that you are as covered as completely possible just in case, and that you know that is not. That's not to say that that's exclusive just to black girls, because that's definitely something that I think all girls are um, are subject to, unfortunately. But I do think that there is an extremity that comes um, when, yeah, when we consider the black young girls or black womenness as well. What made you interested when you were growing up? What made you interested in art and the idea of studying art history? So I loved art as a young girl. I actually was really obsessed with the International Portrait Gallery and, um, and then secondly, the National Gallery. I think that was because I really saw art as a way to learn about other people's perspectives. I think that's what I found most interesting. I had no want at all to be an artist. and I'm not a very good one. But what I was fascinated in is 
delving into the stories and the ideas that these artists are trying to interrogate. So I guess at the heart of it, loving art comes from a real curiosity about the world and curiosity about how people see things. Um, and I guess as an art historian um, and a curator, it's incredible that I get to really be involved with that on a day-to-day basis and really understand all the different perspectives um, that art can bring. Obviously, now it's even better because there's a you know we're allowed and we're um, encouraged to really look more broadly into who t- these stories and who tells these stories. I think that the timing of this exhibition and also of my career is really, really um, encouraging because people are wanting to listen and be more curious about the stories um, in the world in general. And, uh, you know, I don't know why that didn't seem interesting before, because I think obviously as humans, it's really exciting to learn about everything in the world, not just this very narrow, small sort of um, history that we've been delivered and said, you know, told that that's it. But it's incredibly exciting to me to be able to understand and really move around the world and figure out what stories artists have been trying to say and what stories artists are trying to say now. Mm. So how did you go about select, as a curator, Mm. how did you go about selecting the artists that are featured in the show? Um, We've already mentioned Renee Cox and there's some really amazing pieces by Sonia Boyce, Lorna Simpson, Amber Pinkerton. What were the parameters you put around it when it came to choosing who to feature? So choosing who to feature any show is always really difficult. I think that the show's sort of at at the core, the theme of the exhibition could go on and on and on because there's so many different artists that I feel um, are really looking at the this um, sort of core theme and idea um, and there's some that have been doing so for you know enduringly throughout their careers people like Carrie Mae Weems for example who has a show at the Barbican as well who has pretty much focused a lot of her career on really uncovering um, the wideness and the breadth of black women's stories um, and I think that having Carrie as part of the exhibition was very um, sentimental and very important as somebody that has really been um, yeah forging that um, path uh, throughout her career. I wanted to ensure that there were artists that I felt hadn't been um, sort of investigated or shown enough. So artists like Maxine Walker, for example, and Maud Salter, who's a late um, Ghanaian Scottish photographer. Um, those works uh, come from our, from our UK collections. Um, but, uh, you know, as with everything, there's the timing and bringing out these ideas. And I really wanted to hopefully with introducing their work, catalyze further investigation into their practices and really, um, you know, show that so many artists have been doing this work and investigating these themes enduringly throughout history, but we just haven't, um, you know, as art historians or or exhibition makers, haven't really given them their due accolades or um, due attention. Um, I really wanted to ensure that the Black woman story wasn't... um, sort of trapped by uh, very limited ideas of what womanness is. So that's why I included um, a non-bi- non-binary perspectives and um, queer perspectives as well. Having Zanelli's work is really emotionally important to me as well because their work, um, Miss Black Lesbian, is one of the first... Um, yeah, one of the first works that I started that was sort of started my research when I was in the court old. And so having it included in the exhibition is very meaningful, but also having that sort of disruption of 
very simplistic ideas of beauty, very, very important as well. So Zanelli's work um, was was very, very um, integral to the process. I think what I wanted to do was obviously show a breadth intergenerationally and cross-geographically, um, show like an enduring sort of presence of these ideas over time, um, but also... Um, inspire hope as well by putting some very very new and younger artists like Amber Pinkerton like Alberta Whittle who are really looking at um, our contemporary world whether it's within the realms of fashion or the realms of sort of digital media um, and digital sort of like um, ownership of self uh, and have that included in the exhibition too so that it you know spoke as well to my sort of story as a young black woman and really sort of allowed for the widest breadth of understanding mm, that's really nice so you first showed this exhibition at, last year at photographica in new york how did the was, was did you feature the same works in that one no so that show was quite different um what I always wanted to do, and I know it actually makes a lot more work for oneself, but I think it's vastly interesting, is to develop a show and have it tour but change. Um, so that show had some of the sort of same elements, a few of the same works, but definitely had a little bit more of an African-American focus, uh, given the geographical context, but also because a lot of my research, when I did um, undergo, had quite an African-American focus. A lot of the writers were were African-American writers and historians, and they were very much looking um, African-American artists and what what sort of stories they had to say. But when I wanted to to tour back to the UK, obviously this you know the the enduring sort of themes are have similarities but there are um, differences as well so having artists that really um confront the peculiarities and differences of europe and of the uk was important and that's why i changed that um but it also allowed me to put in some other works um that i was really really excited um to add um there's an incredible film work by lorna simpson that i'm really really excited by and a really great work from the tate um which i think really um sums up a lot of the ideas it's got all these different pictures um of black men and then in, in the middle um there's this really beautiful image of, of, a, of a black woman and it lorna found this um in a job lot that was uh, called just like I think random um, not called like a series of, of black boys or black men and amongst it um, there's this woman and I think it was really symbolic because I think when blackness is articulated it often defaults to black men and I think that having this like sort of black woman story poke out from this like cloud of of black maleness is, is quite symbolic and meaningful and one of the more subtle quieter moments in the exhibition but something that I think is really really exciting so it's a bit different um, and yeah in some ways it's my favourite <laughs> um, and I think that's is, is that the only male presence in the whole exhibition well? yeah it's quite so you notice it yeah you do and you're like wait this is why it's, it makes you want to look yeah, yeah. for I guess what's also great about touring an exhibition and having it change over time is that it allows me to reflect and um, put in some of my newer ideas and newer um, sort of um, uh, I guess yeah perspectives into the exhibition I think that in reality my um, associations with this topic will always change as I get older um, as I travel more as I understand more about art and about myself um, at the moment I'm a woman in my 20s I'm sure that my my um, understanding of what it means to be back women will change as I grow older as maybe I become a mother as everything else happens and I think that 
yeah, even in the short time this is taught, the breadth of you know things that I've learned about myself and about um, black women throughout history has definitely um, impacted in the way that this show is presented as well. Yeah, so. I suppose I think that was kind of what I was trying to get at when I asked you earlier about what you like. You know that thing when you try and remember what your vision was at the beginning. It's mm. almost like you can't remember. Yeah, because you've changed <laughs> so much. What would you say has changed about you? I think what's changed about me is understanding that there, and I think it's not just in the in the uh, process of this exhibition, just maybe throughout my sort of life as a art historian and as a black woman in, in the world, but understanding that there's so much history that's related to black womanness, and that really gives you a sense of hope and comfort, but also um, it energizes me, I think, to understand that there's so many, you know, writers and historians that have been thinking on this and that have almost sort of you know thinking about how it how it's bubbled up to maybe this moment and hopefully other moments um what I definitely think it's allowed me to feel is that there is a much richer community than I think is ever than I actually ever realized and I think speaking to some people that just saw the exhibition they also feel that as well I think that sometimes it can feel quite isolating to be a black woman in certain in certain um rooms in certain fields you know I I think I don't and I didn't mention but I you know I went I got bursaries to certain private schools and I was very much always the only black girl in these in these rooms in these in these ideas so it's very easy to think that this sort of history and this community doesn't exist and then you get you you walk into a room or some of the rooms in exhibition and you're just confronted by this like enduring legacy of black women who have gone come before and fought before or just lived everyday lives before and it's comforting and it's uplifting but it also gives you like a sort of fire in your belly to just keep going so I think that sort of sense of community has definitely um, been part of this process and also a sense of learning so obviously I've learned about myself but also just learned more and more about these ideas because you know undergoing the exhibition I did my own research but also was you know afforded the opportunity to speak to some of the sort of curators and historians that I looked up to when I was um, studying people like Thelma Golden people like um, Professor Denise Morel who did the incredible show um, Model Noir at the Dorsey where she renamed um, or found the names of um, some of the black sitters um, people like um, Professor Deborah Willis who wrote The Black Female Body which is a book which is very hard to get and definitely should be reprinted but really has a lot of um, a lot of great research of much earlier instances of photography um, and really yeah speaking to these women as well um, was very encouraging and gives you that sort of sense of like okay must forge on and inspire um, yeah the future as well so mm. it's been a great experience with that and you've written an accompanying book yes yeah, so the book comes out next year um, and that is very much uh, um, furthering on of all of these res- of these researches and these ideas so there's lots of essays there's a few interviews with some of these people I just mentioned um, a real deep dive with some of the artists and everything that one can't present in an exhibition for, for, for uh, logistics and space um, I really went with and ran with with the with the book um, so when that comes out that'll be another great moment as well because again yeah it's trying to make the book that I wish I had when I was younger um, it's it's an academic book but it's also very 
um, approachable and really um, traverses all the different elements, whether it's high art or social media or visual culture, and um, allows us to understand the real enduring legacy of black women um, throughout all of those spheres. Mm. And when is that coming up? That is slated for autumn next year. So exciting. And that's also called Black Venus. Black Venus, yeah. Reclaiming the... I think it's just Black Venus. I don't think I've got a subtitle. <laughs> so it's just so it's called Black Venus as well. Yeah. And the exhibition here is running until twenty fourth of September, and I saw that it's a pay what you can mm. admission fee. What kind of audience are you thinking about, or were you thinking about when you were putting the exhibition together? So I was thinking of the broadest audience possible, um, which is why I was so pleased that Somerset House can make pay as you can. Um, uh, available and possible. I think that when curating an exhibition that is about a really broad demographic or a demographic that has not been represented, it's important that they themselves can see um, the exhibition. Um, as, I, as I definitely think is close to my heart, is I want to make this exhibition for everybody, but I also want to ensure that um, black women and um, black queer voices can see this exhibition as well um, given that it you know holds a lot of sentiments that have the possibility to uplift and inspire in general the projects I like to curate I always think in my head how can I make art more relevant to more people more often I think that the success of the show is not the 0.5% of my like art historical peers that will just come and nod their head and say well done um, that's always really lovely and exciting and um, but I don't curate or write for um, yeah for that small small demographic. I think art has real power to change how we see ourselves and see the world. And I think the success is having very interesting and having these academic ideas presented in a way that is still digestible um, and still approachable. So there's like that sort of go between of you know introducing. Um, in some ways, some complicated um, ideas and theories, but ensuring that most people can understand and get that benefit, because that's what really inspired me um, to get into art, because I learned so much about myself and about the world, and I continue to do so, and artists have a really, really brilliant way of t- teaching you these lessons in a, in a much in a very, very engaging way that's just different to reading um, or listening to a documentary. It's much more subtle um, or much more confrontational in some um, in some instances, but very, very, very powerful. So I hope that with Pay As You Can and some of the other initiatives that we're doing at Summit the House, the large demographic can feel at home in the exhibition as I, um, as I do and as I am hearing other people are starting to as well. So great. Well, listen, I love the exhibition and I'm thank sure you. that lots of people are going to come and see it. And thank you so much for talking to me, Andrea. Thank Best you. of luck with it. Thanks so much. You've been listening to In Talks With with me, Danielle Rodeutchen. The sound and theme music is by Woogie Productions and the artwork is by Patrick Wall. If you enjoyed this episode, please pass it on to someone who you think might also like it. Please subscribe and leave a review. To pitch for guest ideas, you can DM me via my socials at Danielle Rodeutchen. Thanks for listening. <laughs>